Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers. Coming off a bye week, it is early. The Chargers get the break at week five with Lorenzo Neal, Matt Money-Smith here as we get a look to a game Ahead against the Cowboys on Monday night, we're going to have Adam Schefter pop in here, uh, the best information man in all the NFL with some of the stuff surrounding the off the field conversations that a lot of folks have been having as it pertains to the Chargers, particularly injuries and with the trade deadline coming up low at the end of the month, certainly going to focus on that. But I figure we can start here uh, before we get to, to Adam with the rest of the division, because that's the easiest way to punch your ticket into the playoffs is to win the AFC West, and well, it didn't really go great for the Chargers. The the Raiders able to rally on Monday night, knock off the Packers. Uh, the Chiefs get a big victory uh, over the Vikings after the Vikings seemed to have a little bit of momentum there, and then it got away from them at the end. And well, the uh, the Broncos continue to do them a lot of favors by losing at home to the Jets and the Sean Payton versus Nate Hackett Bowl. Were you opportunity to watch any of the games on your week off or uh, from from the Chargers low, or are you like me where? Um, Put the blinders on, blinders get out of the house, and, and do what the players do and just get away from football for a second. Yeah, I was a Green Bay fan the other night. You know, you want Green Bay to win. You know, young young love goes several interceptions and just, you know, it's a part of the growing process. And uh, they were in that game, had a chance, low-scoring game. They were able to pull that off. But, yeah, you're looking. You always got your eye, one eye on the, on the competition that the Chargers are in in the division. You look at Kansas City, you think Kelsey's out. Maybe for the year it goes out at halftime. You're like, oh, my God, look at this injury. And he comes back like Superman and able to score another touchdown. But you you look at Kansas City, uh, it's tough because you know they're they're trying to stay ahead of schedule. But Kelsey, they're one player away. Kelsey Mahomes, those two are they're they're electrifying. So I'm not really sold necessarily on Kansas City. They do have some weaknesses. You've seen that in some holes. But Mahomes has to do he has to be Superman during there every week. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think the Chargers is going to keep it going. He is. It's, uh, it's funny. You know, I said I didn't watch. I did, of course, because I'm an idiot and I'm a football junkie. But um, and and I'll bring this up with Adam. And as as a player, look, and I I know this sounds like fan stuff, right? But as a player, Lo, did you ever feel like because there was an interesting moment? The fact that Jim Nance and Tony Romo acknowledged it, they said, you know, that's not a good look when you've got a referee telling a player, hey, put your helmet back on, and that's supposed to be an automatic 15 yard penalty, and that should have been. Vikings ball and maybe they have a chance to tie that up it doesn't work out that way did you ever feel like certain teams or even certain players got the benefit of the doubt from the officials yeah you have the Jordan rule in football too sometimes I mean break the Brady rules you know yeah you know the tuck all that there's a lot of things that you've seen have went for certain players or certain organizations and I don't know if I want to say that it's by design but you know look at the Steelers this past weekend you know the the outstanding pass rusher, he sacks Lamar Jackson to end the game, but he takes his helmet off. That should have been a 15-yard penalty. So right. it's like, so I've seen it. So I know when you're a dominant team, though, more is coming at you. New England, the, the flake gate, all the stuff that they tried to throw on them because they were a dominant team. Kansas City now, they're trying to come at them. The Steelers, no one's talking about that helmet incident where, you know, he takes off his helmet and ref could have thrown a flag. That would have been an automatic first down and gave – you know, Baltimore, another opportunity. So I get it. And yes, it's, it appears that way, but if you walk through the league and you start looking at each game, you could find that. I think a, a lot out there just so happened to have to be Kansas city because they've been pretty darn good the last couple of years. Did you, um, did it, you know, it doesn't seem like players would be invested in an external argument, right? But 
Sean Payton is, you know, he's he's very vocal. He is he is very arrogant. There's a lot of hubris there. Uh, we know that Sean Payton really likes him to to borrow a, a phrase from Terrell Owens. He really likes Sean Payton. Um, did you ever play against a coach when you took a field? Was there an opposing coach that you did not like? Obviously, it's different for the Jets. You saw C.J. Uzama rally those guys. Hey, he took on our guy Nate, and we're going to take him down for coach. That's different. But did you have other coaches that you just didn't like? Uh, that that you wanted to take it to and have them have a miserable week with a loss. You know what? I, I can honestly say, you know, who had that kind of smuggy attitude is the Baltimore <laughs> See, Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens head coach back in the day. What's what's now? You, you, Brian Billick. Brian Billick. Something about him yeah. just kind of. You know. You ain't wrong there. You ain't wrong there, Lo. You hit that one on the head. <laughs> he just kind of. Oh, you know. And then, so he was one of those guys. But it's hard as a player. I had guys I didn't like playing against or guys I wanted to kick their butt on the field. But coaches, not too much. But Bella just had that aura about him. You know, he thought he was the man. Yeah. I um I was asked this question following the the Khalil Mack six sack game that, hey, do you think there's something there with, with him and the Raiders and there's something to it? I said, maybe. But my answer, and, and I'd love to see if you can confirm this or not. I said, football is such a just violent and intricate game that it is very hard to play not at your best level and succeed. Like every state, it's not like baseball or, or basketball is a great exception because you can take more on yourself. Hey, I'm going to be more assertive. I'm going to be a scorer as opposed to a playmaker or a distributor because I don't like, you know, the other team or whatever. That's different. Am I right in saying that just really doesn't happen in football? There's too much going on. Is that right or no? I think it's a little bit of both, but I'm going to tell you, Matt, I remember playing with the Bengals and I was on, I just left the Cincinnati. I just lost, left the Titans. And I was disappointed because, you know, go to an NFC, NFC, NFC championship game, lose to the Ravens. We should have won the year before we're in the Super Bowl, and had a lot to do, very, very invested in that team. And, you know, they let me go. And I, and I was like, I'm going to Cincinnati, playing with the Bengals. I'm telling you, I would call guys, Blaine Bishop. I would call guys. I said, I'm coming this week. I said, you tell Randall Goffrey, you tell Randall Goffrey, I'm going to knock his head off. And you can ask Randall. Randall ended up, ended up being a playing, you know, teammate of mine in the Chargers. and also played with, with the Titans. I absolutely was destroying them. I, I knocked I knocked out one of our guys, Mitchell, <laughs> Mitchell, who was our cornerback. I, he was on kickoff return. Matt, he came down. I hit him, knocked him out. I walked him off the field. I said, it's okay, little buddy. I put my arm around and walked on the field. I scored touchdowns. I broke guys' wrists. Matt, absolutely. I played like a man possessed, wanting to kick the butt. Khalil, might, we might be nice, and we're like, oh, yeah, you know, just it's, I'm just ready to play. Those You're saying all the right things. You don't want to get – but let me tell you, yes, I was absolutely PO'd. Well, there you go. Uh, three sacks <laughs> against the Raiders in the in the opener last year, uh, and then six sacks in the Raiders game at home this year. Apparently, Khalil was not happy that they sent him away for a first-round pick that became Jonathan Abram. He was not happy about that. So uh, if only we could convince him they were playing the Raiders every single week. All right, let's move aside. Uh, we'll get back after the conversation with Adam Schefter uh, about the Cowboys Monday Nighter that is coming up. Well, Lorenzo, what a treat. Uh, he is the best in the business and coming off a bye, it's perfect time to catch up with Adam Schefter here on Believe in Chargers. Adam will start. Uh, they say it's a bad time for the bye. It's too early, but considering all the injuries that the Chargers were dealing with, uh, it seems like it was a pretty good time. What, what do you hear 
about, you know, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Austin Eckler, just kind of all the players that yeah. had missed that game against the Raiders and what they might have here against the Cowboys. Well, to your point, Matt, I think it's a great time to get some of these guys a little bit healthier. I wonder if they had a game last week, would Justin Herbert have been able to go out there with that fracture on his middle finger? Maybe he would have, but maybe he wouldn't have. I don't know. He was wearing a glove at practice this week. I guess we'll never really know the answer to that. I, I may ask a couple of people and try to find that out, but there's never a bad time for a buy, but it seemed like it was a good time for a buy for the Chargers to give all these guys a little bit of a chance to rest up. Hopefully they can get some of the back. We know that Austin Eckler said he will be out there on Monday night, barring some sort of setback in practice. That'll be a big boost for this offense. Adam, when you look around the league and stay right there with the Chargers, what are you hearing about Staley? Every year, you know, someone's talking about what they need to do in order for him to keep his job. Is he safe? And how is how's that look in your opinion? You know, here's the deal. If you don't win in the league, there are going to be <clears> questions <throat> about you. That's just the fact of the matter, whether it's Brandon Staley, Sean McVay, any coach anywhere. You don't win, questions are going to come up. And they're going to come up when you have the kind of loss that this team had last year in the postseason. It was historic playoff loss. And so people are going to point back to that. I know he didn't like that. But it does hang over this team, unfortunately. It's a part of its past. And so they have one way to take care of that. Just go win games. Go do what you're supposed to do. And no, none of those questions and topics will come up. They win, all's good. They don't, all this comes into play. Yeah, because you're you're so tied in, I I and I don't know if you, you have the answer. I'm guessing you, you might, but you know what the debate shows say about going forward on fourth down. You know what the fans the think shows. about Brandon Staley going yeah, <laughs> debate shows. Um what do, what do they say inside the league? Like kind of how do they view those 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 choices that Brandon Staley makes week in and week out? You know, I think First and foremost, I think we've seen a league-wide trend for coaches to be more aggressive. They lean more on the analytics book, and it seems like everybody's being more aggressive. I think he's yeah. exceptionally aggressive, and you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I, I always say this with coaches. It's really pretty simple, right? Like, you could execute any kind of bold, brave strategy. If it works, the guy is going to be hailed as a genius. If it doesn't work, people are going to question him and rip him. It, it's really simple. Like Sean Payton comes out and tries an onside kick in the Super Bowl. They get it. And he rides that to becoming one of the great coaches in history, parlays that into a Super Bowl title, a new contract endeavor. And everyone's, whoa, what a bold, daring coach Sean Payton is. Brilliant. He's so brilliant. He goes for onside kicks in the Super Bowl. Well, if they didn't make that, people would be ripping him. And so it's just, you go for it on fourth down and you make it. That guy is so bold. Like, and the, the team follows along. And if you don't, that people, how stupid can you be for going for it on fourth down? <laughs> so, Bryson, Adam, when you look at these two teams, the Cowboys and the Chargers, what is the state of the Cowboys and how similar are these two teams from a head coaching job and also adding the quarterback deck? Well, Lorenzo, you know, we talked about, this being a good week for the Chargers to get a bye, I think it's a bad week to get the Dallas Cowboys. The chances of them playing a game like they played on Sunday night are next to nil. And in fact, I think this team comes out, and I would be really surprised if we didn't get an A game from the Dallas Cowboys. When you get humiliated and embarrassed like that, and you're a good team, which they are, you're not going to go play like that again in a back-to-back -back week. So, the Chargers can't control that. You don't know when you're going to get these opponents on your schedule, but I don't think this is a great time to be drawing the Dallas Cowboys coming off the type of loss and embarrassment that they had on national TV last Sunday night. So 
I look for Dallas to be inspired, motivated, and play a really good game on Monday Night Football. Uh, kind of a two-parter here, um, Adam, and I, I guess you can kind of take it together or, or apart, but are you getting the sense that there could be a race to the bottom for, for Caleb Williams? And if, in fact, that's the case, do you think we'll see a more active trade deadline? Well, if you go back to last year, we saw a lot of really good players traded, and we saw teams try to beef up their draft picks. Carolina uh, added extra picks and parlayed some of that into Bryce Young. They turned down the deal for Brian Burns, but we saw last year at the deadline, TJ Hawkinson dealt. We saw Bradley Chubb dealt. We saw Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers and the picks they got for him that they used to get Bryce Young. We saw Calvin Ridley dealt. Um, we saw Kadarius Tony dealt. And I think part of it was the backdrop of the quarterbacks. And some of these teams, I don't think there's a race, Matt, but if you're not aware of how good this upcoming quarterback class is and you're not adding as much draft capital as you can, if your team is struggling, then that's probably a mistake. All you do is look at teams that haven't won a game or are struggling to win a game and don't look like they have bright hopes. To me, in my mind, almost any player would be available for the right price. Wow. To to me, yeah, I'd want as many picks as I could in this upcoming draft if I have a quarterback question. So, yeah, it played into the deadline last year. I would imagine it will play into the quarterback deadline this year. Teams aren't openly racing for Caleb Williams or Drake May or Shador Sanders or whoever you want, the many great quarterbacks that are part of this draft class. But the front offices are and have to be fully aware of the great quarterback draft class this has the potential to be. And teams don't want to make moves. Coaches don't want that. Coaches want to win games. That's their job. But the front offices, to me, I'd want to be adding, if my team was struggling and not very good, I'd want to be adding as much draft capital as I could. No question. Adam, with that being said, greatest coach, arguably of all time, we know Belichick. Everyone's talking about that guy. You know, he's on short list. How do you view the state of the Patriots as far as trade capital? Any, where are they at, in, in your opinion? Well, they're missing offensive playmakers for the quarterback, which is part of the problem. And so I, I don't know anybody wants anybody on their offense. Like, who are they going to trade to go get great <laughs> right. picks back for right, right now? So they're stuck there. They just lost their two – not only their two best defensive players, I would argue they just lost their two best players in Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez. So they're a little bit handcuffed defensively, and they're in a spot where they've scored three points the last two weeks. I think they've gone 38 consecutive drives without a touchdown. There are calls for the quarterback to be benched. They're sticking with him this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll see whether or not Mac Jones can play better and make it to next week. But we are in unprecedented territory in New England. I I said on my podcast this week, there's a generation of Patriot fans who are 35 and younger saying, what is going on here? And I would say, welcome to the lives that many other fans and other NFL cities have led for a long period of time. New England hasn't known this. They've been spoiled. They got all these Super Bowl rings and banners and championships. But this is how many NFL cities have lived. Welcome to Cleveland. Welcome to New York. Welcome to all sorts of places that have struggled. Detroit, right? Like all these places, they've struggled for years. New England, welcome aboard. <laughs> Last thing for you, real quick, uh, Adam. Just kind of curious because it, it's it's two weeks away. They got the Cowboys. The Chargers can focus on that. We can look ahead a week. There seem to be, and, and people will accuse us of bias, 
that uh, calls that the Chiefs get away with a lot. They get away with a ton of holding, that they get away with penalties. Now it's in focus because of the taking off of the helmet and the non-review of the tip pass and the official telling them to put it back on. Is that a view inside the league that the Chiefs tend to get away with stuff? You know, Matt, it was written to the script this year that uh, the script writers had that <laughs> yes. the Chiefs would get as many calls as they could because they wanted to have the Chiefs in the playoffs and Taylor Swift coming to the playoff games oh, yeah, that's right. to boost the TV ratings. So if they could get Taylor Swift to the Super Bowl when she continually denied performing at halftime, well, this would be the way to do it. Right. Let's not call Juwan uh, Taylor for lining up in an illegal position. Let's not call penalties on the Chiefs. Right. Let's try to get them to win more games that they couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Let's have them win a lot of games. <laughs> then, improbably, right. they could make a Super Bowl run. The Chiefs. The Chiefs, then, improbable, right. as that is. And then, we're going to have Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey, <laughs> and she could come to the Super Bowl. And if we're really brilliant. lucky, then she could perform at halftime. So that was a brilliant idea by the NFL scriptwriters that they put together. And the NFL officials were only too happy to go along with it. I walked into it. I walked right into it. And I took it right on the chin. All right, Adam, you're the best. We appreciate it. Uh, we know you're busy. So Thank I'll take you guys have a great Monday night. Appreciate you having me. Enjoyable today. Absolutely. Cheers. Well, cannot thank him enough. Uh, keep saying it. He's a busy dude, and he took time out for us. Some great information there, Low. And you asked him about the Cowboys, and that's what we focus on. It's Monday night. Chargers six primetime games this season. This one of two Monday nighters will be in New York in about three, four weeks, about a month, uh, I think. We will be uh, with the Jets out at, at MetLife there in, well, not necessarily New York, but New Jersey, but you get the point. So this is the first of two Monday nighters. Another primetime game. We know Herb's numbers are incredible. Justin Herbert plays just exceptional football on Monday night. Is there a headline? Is there something that that kind of sticks out to you going into this one off the buy low? Yeah, I think that the big thing is, like, you got two quarterbacks that one is elite and the other one's supposed to be upper tier quarterback in Dak and it hasn't worked out for Dak and one's supposed to have this unbelievable defense like top was the number one ranked defense the Cowboys and then a struggling defense on the Chargers I was there Sunday night Sunday night in you know in San Francisco and watched that game up close and personal after the game I went into the locker room you know I know Mike McCarthy and I handed him a tape and what was the tape? It was the Wizard of Oz. I said, that team is you need to make sure they watch and see if they can get a heart because they just Ooh. laid it out there and they did had nothing. So I was very shocked. And, I, you know, say that, you know, no pun intended, I was very shocked that they laid down like that. I was very disappointed. I would expect more from men. Being able to play the game and the way that I played it and the way that these guys play it, it wasn't just Dak. This was a team effort. The Cowboys, you saw it in the game. You let a 40-yard, 30-yard touchdown. No one even touched the guy. This wasn't just Dak. Yeah, Dak threw three interceptions, but you saw the whole team melt and whittle down right in front of you after halftime. So I look at it, yeah, Dak struggled. But this was a Cowboy team, Matt, in my opinion, as a whole, collectively, didn't play well. Yeah, you know, and and there's been a number of issues with them. Like you said, the the heart question, the they don't get up for certain, you know, losing to Arizona is weird, uh, especially how poorly they played in that game. You look through it though, and like you said, and like like Adam Schefter said, this is an elite team. Like this is a team that has talent. That defense is for real. Now they're a little bit different since they lost Trevon Diggs um, on the back end there, no doubt about that. But when you look at that front with Micah Parsons and and Lawrence and like 
there's some yeah, Dante Fowler is getting a lot of pressures because of all the the attention that Micah Parsons is getting. Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the league right now. So that and and this goes back to something we talked about, right? Which is take care of what's in front of you. Number one, you know, against the Raiders, it's Max Crosby and it's Devontae Adams. Take care of those two things. Don't let those two things beat you. When we say, okay, Brandon Staley, take care of Micah Parsons. Yes. Can you do that? The guy's got 30 quarterback pressures and his win rate is over 20% right now. Uh, To put that in perspective, Joey Bosa typically season in, season out, has a win rate right around 17 or 18%, and he's one of the best pass rushers in the league. This guy's win rate is at like 23% right now. Yeah, man, that's a great question. You can know and answer a question, to be honest. I don't care what (laughs) people say. You can't can't stop Michael Parsons. You just hope to slow him down and hope to contain him. Now you can slow him down, and how do you do it? You put a hat on a hat, you bring the tight end over, you motion him across, and you run right at him. When you run away from Michael Parsons, because of his speed and the way he closes down, he's going to run you down. You have to line up and say, we're going to run right at you. The rest of the guys, make sure you block, cut the defense off, and let's run the ball right at Michael Parsons. That's how you slow him down. Let's put a back over to that side. If he happens to beat the tackle, let's have a back chipping. So you know the tackle should sit heavy inside and know that he's going to have some outside help. So there's little things you can do schematically and game-wise to slow him down, but he's going to make his plays because he's a good player. But I'm telling you, Matt, they need to wear his butt out. And how do you wear him out? You run at him and make it a physical game from the jump. We've seen it in the past. And and if Micah Parsons is the best edge in the draft, Rashawn Slater is certainly in the conversation as the best left tackle in football. Uh, he may not be there just yet, but he's in the conversation. Um, do you think they will deploy him one-on-one against Slater to see if he can win that matchup and, and give Demarcus Lawrence or Dante Fowler the – the opposite side with Trey and and see if it works that way, because certainly that's what the Chargers have done, right? Rashawn is on an island. He's good. And we saw Max Crosby rush, rush against Trey Pipkins pretty much the entire Raider game. They wanted nothing to do with Slater. What do you think we'll see on, on Monday? Well, I think if you look at and just look at the dynamics, you're going to put your best pass rusher on the side where you think you have an advantage. But at times, if Marco Parsons, if Parsons wants to go to that left side and go and back, you're going to let him over there because if that's his best side to rush, then you still give him those opportunities. And so you're going to do that, and you're going to move Parsons around, and I get that. And at times, hey, sometimes you Slater may need some help. Still have a running back, lean to that side, and chip because he's going to get his place. But, yeah, I think that you'll see Dallas try to move him and not let him go against Slater, not all day, but – he will line up on that side because that's the side that he likes to rush from. Yeah, the one thing, um, and I'm anxious to see how it, it turns out, one thing that certainly jumped out uh, coming off the, the Raider game and watching that tape was just how few targets Quentin Johnston got and, and how important he's going to be. Or they're going to have to find a third receiver. You know, Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen got so much attention in that Raiders game, it just made it hard to get him any targets. He was pretty much doubled the entire game. So just kind of your thoughts on on what it takes for a quarterback or to, to, to get the trust or, or to have trust in, in a target, in a receiver. Cause he just, it, it didn't even get looked at. Like, yeah. I'll be honest, he ran, I think 37, 38 routes. He had three targets and there were times when Justin just didn't even look his way. And I just kind of wonder if that's a reflection of what Herbert has seen in practice and, and what he doesn't like, what he sees to, to take to the game. Yeah, it could be what he's seen in practice because you get the quarterback's attention in practice, and that's where they got to work more together in practice. But also it's a job now that, you know, Kellen is going to have to say, look, 
I have some plays for this young man. Because then now you put Justin in a place where, hey, this is what they're going to get. Nine times out of ten, they're going to play this single hire, two-cell safety. And this is where he's going to be open. This is where we're going to line him up. And you're going to have to design some plays. And how you have to stick? Kellen has going to stay in his ear to say, hey, look, Herbert, we got to get this guy. But we're going to need him later on this season. We don't know what's going to happen with Keenan. And we might have to take some of the reps off of him. So without a doubt, Matt, there is a way that you design those plays that you're going to get him involved. Yeah, no doubt. And look, it'll be a lot better with Austin Eckler back. Defense has to commit resources to try to slow him down. We know he is one of the biggest headaches for opposing defenses. And that's going to open things up as well because you're not going to have you're going to have more attention at the sure. line of scrimmage, which should open things up downfield. No doubt about it. It's going to be a great one. Uh, it's prime time. It's Monday night. It's America's team. What do you got, Lo? I got one thing to say, Maddie. I, I did disagree with Adam. For one, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not being a homer because, you know, you and I are Charger fans, poor Charger. But here's the deal. If you go look at statistics and go see when the charge, when the Niners have played a team, usually that next week they, they're beat right. up and they're sore. And here's the thing. The Chargers had an extra week of bye to now they're getting rested. Dallas just played a physical game. I disagree. I think that this is a game, and I'm not saying it. I understand Dallas has talent. I think the Chargers win this game because of they have they have a longer time to rest and Dallas yeah. is playing after a physical game playing against the Niners. No doubt. And I think they match up with them well, especially now that they are healthy. Tony Pollard hasn't been as explosive as he was last year. You, you got to devote those resources to, to CeeDee Lamb. You know, it's CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons. Get rid of those two and take your chances with everything else. Looking forward to it. And again, a huge thank you to Adam Schefter, for checking with us. We'll be back to uh, to review it all next week. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a Chargers win and boy, some serious hot seat action in Dallas. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.